Thank you, Happy. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. I want to ask you to do something. And uh, I love what Pastor Jared said about it's not, you know, it's not bad to clap in church. And I was thinking that before he said that. And uh, I'm going to ask you to do something because I want to hear us together praise God together and to call out to his name and put our hands together and to clap. And uh, I want you to think, you know, think of a name of the Lord. You know, he is holy. He's all, all knowing, all powerful. Um, he's ever present. That call on the name of God as you put your hands together and think about the meaning of what that means to you and how great and how good he is. And Pastor Jared is right. He's like, how good God has been to this church and how good God has taken care of this church and how good God has taken care of you and his people. And so I'm not asking for a golf clap. I'm not asking for like a half clap. I'm saying let's declare the goodness of God in our presence right now. Amen. All right, let's do it. Praise you, God. You're worthy. You're holy. You're righteous. You're true. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty. Yes. Yes. All right, we got that out of us. I feel a little better right there. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, yes, my brother-in-law was Howie Holmes, a very special, very uh, awesome man of God. And uh, my sister is Debbie Holmes, and uh, she's seven years older than me, so I was a baby of the family. And I got away with a lot of stuff because by the time she had worn my parents out, um, and with, with all the trouble, you know, I mean, Debbie, she can be trouble. With all the trouble that she created, by the time they got to me, it was like, We'll let you do anything, Don. Bedtime, curfew, no, no, nothing. And uh, so, um, but my sister is uh, special. She's special to me. And six months after Hallie passed, when she had her stroke, I was down in Florida. And actually, at that time, we were in doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. We had an early morning church uh, prayer at 6 a.m. Aren't you glad you don't go to my church? Um, and uh, we had 6 a.m. prayer. Um, every day during the week. And so I get a call from my other sister, Denise, and she says, you know, um, Debbie's in the hospital. She had a stroke. And I tell you, I was like, I'm coming up. And I just drove up and from the, all the way from Florida, all the way up to Virginia. I was praying the whole way, praying worship, playing worship music, and just believing that God was going to give her the victory. And, and uh, I tell her um, now, because there's times where she gets frustrated with, with what she can't do. And I said, Debbie, if you could see how far you've come. If you could just see. And uh, yeah. That's the goodness of our God right there. And uh, when we stepped into that room, it looked bleak. But God. But God. He came through. And I have a, I tell her, I'm not showing it to her right now. I showed it to her one time, but I showed her a video of, that I had taken of her first steps and some of the difficulties she had in the hospital. Um, but those were days of rejoicing. And now, now anytime she feels frustrated or, or anytime that she's not happy with her progress, I'm like, yeah, but, but look at where you were. And I believe the best is yet to come. I believe God has more for you, Deb. And I believe God is still in the process of restoring and healing, doing so much more mentally, emotionally, physically in your body. So I love you, sis. And uh, 
still your, I'm still her little brother, no matter what. I mean, she literally took care of us kids when, uh, when, when we were young. And so she's kind of like my mother figure. And uh, she's, man, she can reprimand me. And she can, <laughs> she can uh, help me and encourage me. Um, and, uh, but she came home when I was in middle school. She came home with this man, uh, guy. His name was Howard, Howard Holmes. And uh, I came affectionately known as Howie. And uh, I was in middle school, and I was a troublemaker at that time. And, um, and as I went through high school and as I went through college, um, just I was going in a path that was far from God. But yet I knew this man, Howie, and and he just lived for God. Everything that he did, he lived for God. And um, I, I emulated him because of the realness. I'd never seen like real Christianity. I had seen a lot of fake. I had, I had seen a lot of imposters. I grew up in the church. I knew the church. And I knew how church people were. And sometimes, not you, but sometimes church people, <laughs> sometimes church people can be frustrating because they say one thing on Sunday, on Monday, they look like a totally different person. And, uh, and so we saw a lot of that and grew up in a lot of that. And, uh, um, and, but Howie was true. He was true. And uh, he, would, he would, during the summers, do youth camps with Debbie. It was called Forerunner. And uh, um, I would go there. I was just like, wow, like this guy, he's just living his heart out for Jesus. And uh, um, the times when I was far from God, he wasn't there condemning and judging me. He was just showing me the goodness of what it's like to really follow Jesus. And uh, the power that was in following Jesus. And that was attractive to me. And uh, um, I grew up to, after I was done, after I was done with my wandering days, um, I gave my life to the Lord completely surrendered to him and I went right into being a youth pastor because that's what Howie was. And so I've served the Lord for like 20 some years as a youth pastor. And, uh, and now for the past five year, years, I've been a, a head pastor. My heart is still with youth, but um, you got to grow up sometime, right? Uh, no, uh, one of the best jobs in the world, I'm telling you, the best jobs in the world is being a youth pastor. And if I could do it for life, I would. Uh, the circumstances we're in is God opened the opportunity and called me into being a lead pastor. But um, God has interesting ways of getting you to do things that you don't want to do. And I won't go into that story. But uh, there's my family up there. And uh, my wife is um, all the way on your left. And uh, her name's Josie. And then we got four kids. That tall kid in the middle, that's my son, who I used to hold in my hands like that uh, when he was born. And he's 18 years old, senior in high school, and getting ready to go into some ministry school. And then underneath his chin is my daughter, Isabel. And then in the very front is my daughter, Adeline. And then in my hand on uh, the freaking awesome kid is... Um, I hope we're allowed to say that here. If not, sorry. Uh, <laughs> should have blacked out the shirt. Um, that's my son, Elias. And currently, right now, my son, forgive me for going down this road for a second. My son is playing basketball. And my, um, and my son, Zach, and I coach basketball. And as you can tell by Zach, my, my oldest son, his height, he's very good at basketball. I'm just a, a coach because uh, they needed someone. And uh, so I pulled my son, Zach, into it. And now, this is during his senior year. I'm loving these days because it's like I, 
I feel the last times that we'll be doing these together. You know, like, this is our last time we get the all boys coach together and my son plays. And, and uh, yesterday, um, since I'm here, I asked my wife to help coach with Zach. We have not won a game this year. I'm sorry, we have not won one game this year. And it's been a really rough year. And, uh, but, but we've enjoyed it and practices have been good. And, um, but yesterday, my wife was coaching with my son, Zach, and they won their first game. <laughs> Don't you dare think what that means. But <laughs> I called her, I called her Coach Josie. I'm like, here you go, hon. The reins are now yours. I am going to hand it over to you. And, uh, but she was a basketball player when she was in high school. And uh, she knows her stuff. And I just got to keep putting her in those situations where she can use the stuff that she knows. Um, isn't that like all of us? We need to be put in those situations where we use the stuff that we know. And we're going to look at a character in the Bible who did just that. Um, but I want to thank Pastor Jared and his, his wife, Heather. Here's your pastor. This is what's amazing to me. Is I finally got to meet him this weekend. And, uh, and I was sitting there with Debbie. And uh, he said, oh, so you're a pastor. <laughs> I said, you asked me to speak without knowing that I was a pastor? <laughs> like, that's a lot of faith right there. And uh, I don't know if I would do that. But... Uh, um, but he's the man of God that you guys need for this time. And uh, uh, he's a great man of God. And um, I'm thankful for him just trusting me to come up here and not destroy anything. But, uh, but, but seriously, um, the church was in a rough spot when he lost Hallie. And he has the, God uniquely chose him and appointed him to this position to be here and uh, Everyone, everyone needs to be supporting God's man for this place and this time. Um, so I thank you, Pastor Jared. And, uh, but I'm simply titling this the, the Power of Purpose. And, and I know it says something different in the bulletin, but that's me because I, it takes me forever to come up with what could be a title and come up with a concept and an idea. And it's very last minute um, that I finally come up with that. I might have the whole thing rolling through my mind, but at the last minute, I might come up with a title. Um, so this is simply called The Power of Purpose. How many of you know that uh, God has a purpose for your life? Like two of you believe that. Um, <laughs> how many of you know that God has a purpose for your life? Yeah. So I can see, but I got to break in with clapping, and then now I got to break in with talking. And I'm fr I'm good with anybody talking. Um, if, if you're restless and you feel like you got to walk out, that's fine. That's good. But uh, if you want to clap or say Amen, Amen's a good thing. And uh, if you want me to stop, just say stop, and, and then we're done. Um, what's the purpose of this vase? Pour liquid. That's right. What else could it be used for? Flowers. The ladies say flowers. Yes. So pour liquid, flowers. And so just by seeing something, we know it has purpose, right? We know there's a, something that we want to use it for and a, a purpose that we have for that just by seeing that. And uh, God had a purpose for this man named Gideon. And... Uh, the children of Israel were not in a good spot at the time of, of Gideon. It's the time of the judges. And uh, 
Joshua had already led the children of Israel into the promised land. So God's people are in the promised land. They should be, uh, there were some battles though that they chose not to, uh, some of the enemy they chose not to chase out of the land. Uh, they're suffering some of the consequences of, of that. But um, Joshua has passed on. Um, Joshua, as awesome as he was, he really didn't have a successor. And, uh, and so, um, the children of Israel began to do what was right in their own eyes and, and they began to drift and they go through cycles, they go through patterns where they came into spiritual complacency and then they would sin and, and sin simply means you missed the mark. You walked away from the, the bullseye which is your relationship with God and him being supreme, him being the most important thing to you and living your life for him and so they simply missed the mark. They began to see what the, the other nations were doing around them and the people in the land, and they began to emulate them and follow the gods that they served instead, instead of following one true God. And so um, they began to sin, and they began to fall into idolatry, worship other gods like Baal. And the results of that was bondage, was misery, oppression, and then the people would cry out to God. And then guess what God would do? He would listen to them. And he would send them a judge, someone who could help, someone who could turn their hearts back to God, and someone who could help them restore what they had lost. So it's this constant thing of, of losing and bondage and God forgiving and restoring, turn their hearts back to God. Uh, our verse says this, uh, the angel of the Lord um, sorry, I forget. I have the clicker. Um, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Valor means great courage in the face of danger, uh, in the face of danger especially in battle. Now, it's very interesting. It says this in Judges 6, 1 through 2. It says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them in the hand of the Midian for seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, caves, strongholds, which are in the mountains. So they are hiding out from the Midianites, hiding out from the enemy. So it was whenever Israel had sown, uh, Midianites would come up, and like they had planted stuff, they were ready for the harvest. It says also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them and they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. So they would destroy things. Uh, they would come up with their livestock and their tents and come in as numerous as locusts. There's 700,000 of them, and it said both of them and their camels were without number. They would enter the land, and they would destroy the land, and so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. God's people, it says there, God's people would be impoverished because of what they were allowing the enemy to do, and this is a picture of what happens when you allow uh, the enemy into your life, into your family, into an area uh, of your life, and the enemy wants nothing other than to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he's not going to He's not going to walk away until his job is done. And because of the Midianites and the children of Israel, they cried out to God. And God always hears his kids that cry out to him. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt 
Here's, here's what I did for you. I set you free from bondage to the Egyptians, brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all who oppressed you, drove them out before you, and gave you their land. And also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites and those in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down in Terebinth, the tree of which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash. And it says, while his son Gideon was threshed wheat in a wine press. Let me ask you something. Do you thresh wheat in a wine press? No. How come? There's no wind. There you go. And so here, what's he doing? He's hiding out. He's not bold. He's not valiant, mighty warrior. He's hiding out. But yet God seems to see something in him that he doesn't see in himself. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you. That's present tense. That's current. God is with you, you mighty man of valor. This is what I see, Gideon, when I look at you. This is what, what my perspective is. And you haven't walked into your potential, your purpose, the purpose of that vase, you say, is to pour uh, water or to have flowers in it. And God God sees the same thing in each and every one of you. God has purpose. God has a promise for you. And God wants nothing other than for you to wake up and see all that he has in store for those who will give their heart completely to him, who will surrender to him, will say, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I trust in you. I'm going to do what you say. And he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And, and those were strong words for Gideon. And so he hears that. And God sees more in you than you've seen yourself. The same is true for every one of you. God sees more in you. God doesn't see the failures. Well, I should say this. To those when they surrender their life to God, when they ask forgiveness for their sins, he doesn't remember that sin anymore. And he sees nothing more than his potential within you. Because when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you his spirit who comes and dwells and lives on the inside of you. And he has great victories for his children that lie ahead of him. Yes, God sees great victories. Everybody say great victories. Great. Let's try it again. God sees great victories. Everybody say great victories. Great for me. Look at the person next to you. And say, God sees great victories for you. Do you believe that's true? Yes. You got to believe it's true. You got to believe that, that we are set apart by God as God's children. That God has unlimited potential for all those who follow him, that trust in him, that, don't, that choose not to follow the way of the world. And that God sees hope for you. God sees victory for you. God sees purpose in your life. And it doesn't matter what the thing is, that, whether it's sickness that you're struggling with, whether it's depression that you're struggling with, anxiety that you're struggling, struggling with, that's not who you are. God sees more. God has more. 
We've got to believe in who he is and who he says we are. In Judges 6.13, it says, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Well, why, why, where are all the miracles which our father told us about? Uh, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And it's not the Lord who had, who, who had abandoned them. It was them who had walked away from the Lord. But he says, where is the Lord? And don't we ask that same thing many times? Where is God when the bad times? Where is God when, when um, we lose our pastor? Where is God when, when Debbie has a stroke? What's going on? Where are you, God? And God is right there. Which, which I think is really interesting because he's asking these questions like, where is the Lord? And the Lord's speaking to him right there. Like, has anybody here seen like uh, a visitation from the Lord in, in, at, as you're just walking around outside? I mean, God's right there. And, and he's like, where, where's the Lord? And sometimes we don't see what is so clear to us. We can't see what God has visibly and and done for us and in us and who he has surrounded us with. And I think you guys are a beautiful church. And the reason I say, turn to the person next to you and say, you look beautiful. <laughs> now, one of two things just happened there. <laughs> two dudes look at each other and say, this is awkward. <laughs> and somebody else just got a date. So... <laughs> uh, but you're beautiful. Can I tell you why you're beautiful? Say yes, tell me why, Pastor Don. Because this church, like Pastor Jared said, even without a pastor, you stayed strong. And can I tell you the support that I've seen from my sister Debbie and driving her to doctor's visits and, and encouraging her and, and, and supporting her and her family and her kids. And, and that's the body of Christ. And you're beautiful. You're beautiful in how you love and how you serve and how you take care of. And I love to hear the stories of when she can't drive and somebody drives her. I love to hear the stories of how much you care. And I just want to thank you. So beauty is an amazing, is an amazing thing. And look at that. I had forgotten to put those slides up, but there you go. You're a little bit behind. But <laughs> then the Lord turned to him and said to him, go in the might of yours. Go in the might that you currently have, the might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And when God sends someone, uh, he will complete what he has promised. He will fulfill what he says he will fulfill. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? And Right then, he's just seen his own limitations. How, is, how am I going to save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and on the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. God says, I'm with you. It doesn't matter who's against you when I'm with you. It doesn't matter what's come against you when I'm with you. It doesn't matter the opposition you've had, what, what you have faced in the past. Your past is not your future. God has more for you. And these are some things that you must do. You must get in the presence of God to hear a word from God. And God is 
calling to some of you who may be far from him as you sit here and say, I have more for you. So God has more. You got to get in the presence of God. Think of where Gideon was. Yes, he was uh, threshing. Uh, um, he was in a wine press thresh, threshing wheat. He's in the wrong place. But the Lord shows up. The Lord comes to him. The Lord speaks a word to him. And you got to get in the presence of God to hear a word from God because the word of God will change your life, will transform your life. And, and it's not going to always happen like this. It's not like God's going to, you know, appear in a place where you're far from him and say, come on, get up, I got more for you. But if you listen to his spirit, he's calling you. For those who have given their heart to the Lord, he's calling you back if you're far from him. And he will show up in the most unlikely places to reveal himself to you, to say there's more. And that's called a prophetic word from God. And when I was a kid, when I was in middle school, God sent a word to me through a man named Howie, letting me know that God had more for me. That, and it was one word and a lot of action that I saw in his life that propelled me to be and to serve God like I do today. But I want you to know that you have a prophetic voice for someone. Every one of you here, you have the ability to speak God's word. And the prophetic voice simply means that you see what God sees and you speak it over somebody's life. And regardless of how far they are from God, regardless of the circumstances that they have found themselves in or the place that they are at, Every one of us has the ability to be the voice of God if we're in touch with God and we're hearing God. God has people surrounding you at work, in your neighborhood, in your schools, the young people in your schools, and, and, and wherever you are, God wants to use you as his mouthpiece to speak what he places in your heart to those who may not be able to hear God's voice any other way. God speaks through his word, and you got to be in the word to hear a word from God. God speaks through the church, which is us, his people, and he places you in the world to speak his word to those around you, for those who don't know him. That's your assignment. That's, your, that's what God's called you to. So don't just, too many times we have gluttonous Christians once again, I don't know you, so I'm not talking to you. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is we, we go from conference to conference, we go, we go from Bible study to Bible study, and we get all this knowledge built up in us. We're like, we're like so full of God's word, but we don't release God's word into our world. And if you're not releasing God's word into the world, then why is God going to trust you to reach the world. Why is God going to use you for some great assignment if you're not taking care of what he's given you right now? And so we go from place to place and we just fill ourselves up and fill ourselves up. And God says, I want you to use what you got. I want you to, to deliver on what you're so full of. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all. Everybody say all. All your heart. Seek God with all your heart. Don't do half-hearted seeking God. He doesn't honor that. 
Get rid of the junk in your life that has separated you. Get rid of your excuses. The reasons where you haven't been pursuing him. The reason that you've said, oh, I, I can't trust God. You better trust God. Because the alternative isn't good. Trust him. He's faithful. He's true. He's a good God. And the question is this. Have you been seeking him with awe? All your heart. Have you been seeking him with everything that you have? So, so you've got to get in the presence of God in order to hear a word from God. You've got to step out in faith on his word. So when he speaks a word to your heart, when you get in the word and, and this word comes alive to you and you begin to see what God's saying and all of a sudden something jumps out and you're like, wow, God has more for me. Then, then you act on the word that you get from his word. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Not for those who, who do uh, really nice things for people in the community. Not for those who, who have earned enough uh, badges in Sunday school. Not for those who have you know, done all of these works. But he says those who love him. Now a byproduct of love is that we serve him. But loving him is the first thing. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. God wants you to fall head over heels in love with him. And once you're head over heels in love with him and you see how awesome and beautiful he is, then that will flow, be a natural outflow of your life. You can't serve someone that you don't love. Well, you can, but there won't be fruit. Third thing we got to do is live and rely. Live and rely on God's word. Psalm 119, 116 says this, Sustain me according to your word that I may live and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Sustain. God will sustain you. God will speak a word to you from his word. He will sustain you with his word. Hebrews 4 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful. This is why you need to be in the word of God. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God cuts deep. When you get in his word, you don't just go in his word. And, and well, you could go into his word and just let it be head knowledge. But the moment that you say, God, speak to my heart from your word. My heart is open. My heart is receptive. He will speak. And you better be ready for him to speak to you because he's got things for you to do. There's stuff he may need to clean out. There might be things in, within you that you say, I got to walk away from that. There may be relationships that you're in where you say, I can't be in that and still be with God. But you got to be open what he has for you. It says it's quick, it's powerful. So here's purpose is discovered when. Purpose is discovered when you accept your true identity. You accept your true identity. I have this thing that I hand out to um, when we do our new members class at, at church and it just says uh, my identity on one side. It says who I am in Christ and and on this, it says in John 1, 12, I am God's child. 
John 15, 15, I am Christ's friend. Romans 5, 1, I've been justified. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, I'm united with the Lord in one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I am bought with a price and I belong to God. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I'm a member of Christ's body. Think about that. Your body is his body. You're a member of Christ's body. You belong to him. He lives in you. You live in him. In Ephesians 1, 1, I'm a saint. Ephesians 1, 5, I've been a adopted as God's child. In Ephesians 2.18, I have access to God through the Holy Spirit who lives in me. And Colossians 1.14, I've been redeemed and I've been forgiven. And Colossians 2.10 says, I am complete. In other words, I have everything that I need in Christ Jesus. Somebody praise God for just a moment. Amen? Amen. What more do you want? He's giving you everything that you need. Life is found in him. But you got to give all. you got to surrender all because he surrendered all for you. Jesus, when he went to the cross, when, when he was beaten, when he was tortured, when he was whipped, when they mocked him, when they spit upon him, he gave all. He held out his hands on that tree. Nails went through his hands and went through his feet. And he's saying, this is how much I love you. This is how much I give all for you to be part of my family, for you to be set free from the struggle that you have with sin and the bondage and the addiction that you've been in and the places that you've been. He said, I can never break free from this. You know what? There was a time in my life where I actually said that and I remember when I said it. Like, I can't, I can't get free from this. I can't, I'm stuck in this type of a life. And I'm telling you, there's a moment where I still remember when I went to the front of a church and I'd already said, I'm never going into that church again. And, and for whatever reason, I had made a decision to go into church and and. I went to the, and the, and the pastor was preaching on Jacob wrestling with God. And I felt like the whole time I'm sitting there, like this guy knows everything I've done. And this guy is just, he's just preaching at me. And, uh, and at the end of that service, I went up, I gave my life to the Lord and I surrendered everything to him. My life has never been the same ever since that moment. And it's an amazing thing, but you got to accept your a true identity who he says you are and that's where you discover your purpose and you realize that every one of you is giving your every even if you haven't given your life to the Lord yet even if you haven't surrendered to the Lord can I tell you this you have the call of God on your life and you have purpose every one of you you have the call of God on your life you have purpose you have the call of God on your life. You have purpose. You've got the call of God on your life. You have purpose. Do you know that? He sees more in you. You're called by God and for God. You have the call of God on your life. And you have purpose. And we need to speak that to each other because you can run from that purpose. Just because you're, you have the call of God on your life doesn't mean that you can't run from that and go the other direction. But I'm telling you, come towards him. He's beautiful. He's amazing. Surrender all. Answer his call when he comes. His presence is here right now. Answer his, his call. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. Brothers and sisters, 
Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. So your, your answers might sound a little bit like Gideon, but I'm not the smartest. I'm not the brightest. I'm not, I'm not the, uh, the best looking in my class. I'm not, you know, the standout. Not many of you were wise by human standards. The Apostle Paul says not many of you were influential. Not many of you were, no, were of noble birth. Uh, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. And God chose the, the, the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And it's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen? So that is why I had you clap in the beginning to lead you right to this verse right here is that may you boast in the Lord. May you be so proud of your God and so honoring of him that he came all the way down to wherever you were in the farthest place away from him and brought you to himself and brought you to Jesus and set you free from your past and redeemed you and says, let no one boast in themselves like it's my achievement and wow, look at what I've done. It's all what God has done in you. He's a good God. He's an amazing God. And God is not finished with you yet. Amen? Amen. Purpose is discovered when you accept your true identity, when you put the past behind you. And in Judges 6, 25, it says, Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull of, se uh, the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image. So his father, um, I'm going to just cut to the chase um, for sake of time, but his father had idols to Baal. And Gideon realizes that if things are going to change, it's got to change at home first. And, and he was a little, he was a, it goes on to say that he cuts down these, gathers some men, he cuts down these, uh, these altars or these idols that were there. And uh, he does it by night because he's afraid of what those in the town would think of him. But he still went ahead and did it. And he cut them down. And he decides, hey, hey if I'm going to serve God, it starts right here, right now with me. And it starts at home. And some of us are trying to live out of what we haven't experienced at home. And we're trying to say, God, use me out there. And God says, take care of what's closest first. Take care of the, I put, that you're faithful in the little. Your purpose is discovered when you're faithful in the little. And maybe I should say this, faithful in the things that are closest to home. Because that's the easiest way to, to get away with really not serving. And we can look really good here on a Sunday morning. And we can look really, really sharp and put on our best, best look and best hair gel and, and this hairspray. And, and look really pretty in here. And you do. But what happens when you go home? And, and what, what's the, the attitude? What is, how do you treat those who are closest to you? Would they say that you look like Christ and you sound like Christ and you act like Christ? Do you have the fruit of the Spirit just coming out of you? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit? Or there's that patient one. Is that the hard one? <laughs> um, 
Are there areas in your life where you say, I've got to work on that? But no, no, not just you by yourself. He works with you. You surrender to him. Be faithful in the little things. If you want to discover what you were made for, what you're created for, how God has more for you, then you start at home. You start in the areas, those who are close to you, those who really know you, you start there, and then you work out from there. And you discover your purpose when you realize that others may not be able to go where God is taking you. And you got to realize that, that you've been called by God and, and God has a purpose for your life. But there's going to be many that are with you right now that can't go where you're going. And that's all right. You got to be all right with that. And it, it says in the story that Gideon and all the people who were with him, they rose up early and, and camped beside the well of Herod. And, and so the camp of the Midianite was on the north side of them by the hill of uh, Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. See, so I've assigned you to go and take on the Midianites, like 100,000, more than 100,000 in the army. And they knew where they were. And so God's assigned them, but then the Lord says to Gideon as he gathers the, the, um, the people with him, God's like, hey, there's too many. There's too many. Everybody has purpose in this story. He says, the people are with you, too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. And so now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. Now, now God's given Gideon this word to give. And some of us, when we say, oh, yes, God's given me a word. You're all excited when God gives. Look at the, what happens when he gives a word. 22,000 of people returned and 10,000 remained. He had 32,000 people and, and 22,000 of them said, we're out of here. I'm a little afraid. How do you like to deliver that word? Someone in that group is going to say, oh, no, you're off, man. You're, that's not the word of the Lord. Please give something that's going to encourage the people and make them stay. And uh, God gives Gideon a word and Gideon delivers the word. And, and sometimes when God has an assignment for you, actually all the time when God has an assignment for you, there's going to be some people in, who are with you that God's saying, no, they can't go where you're going. Stay focused on what God has called you to. The people are still too many. And then Judges 7, 4, he says, still too many. God whittles down his group. And then, and let me say, I'm going to jump ahead to 7, 7. The Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lap, that will save you. And so he sends them to this, the, the water. And, and he says, all right, observe how they drink the water, whether they cup it with their hands and kneel down, or whether they put their face down to the water. And all those who do that, it's like, get, they got to leave. And so we're going to whittle this down to 300. And I'll save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go. All of them to his place. You must do the impossible and let God take care of the impossible. If you want to step into all that God has for you, here's what you got to do. You've got to do the possible, do what he's called you to do, say what he's called you to say, and let him figure out how to accomplish it because he's pretty good at that. Let him choose who needs to go and who needs to stay. Be led by his spirit in everything that you do. And so when Gideon heard, it says that 
uh, he goes down and he hears the, even the enemy talking about him. And he says, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300. So he's got down to 300 men against a sea of people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people of Midianites. And it, it, God breaks them up. And it says, he divided them, 300 men into three companies, and put a trumpet in every man's hand, and empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. And the three companies blew trumpets and broke the pitchers, and they held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand for blowing, and they cried, a sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And you would say, that is ridiculous. That is too few people. That is, that is 300 against 100,000. God can't do that. And yet we tend to think that God is like us. Thank you, Pastor Jared. We tend to think that God sees things the way we see them. We tend to think that God can only do what our... our our bodies are capable of doing. That God can only see what we're seeing. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger, right? He's mighty. He's powerful. He created every fiber of your being. And so they have these jars. On this jar, he may have heard from all of you and decided that since you told this jar that his purpose was to pour water, or his purpose was to hold flowers. But God's the one who chooses purpose. And the purpose for this jar was unlike any other jar. They had some jars in these groups. And be careful, it's going to get dangerous in here. But there's a point behind this that God sees victory in different ways. And we would say, number one, that with the 300, that's impossible. But we also would say that the, by the way that God wins the victory, by the way that God does the impossible, that in, that in itself is impossible. With the, the 300s impossible. But how about you? What have you looked at? And you said, you know, you know whatever it is in your life, well, that's impossible. God can't do that. Whether it's sickness, whether it's illness, whether it is a, a stroke. And I, I learned this week of Pastor Jared's wife, that she had battled cancer. And you'd say, well, well that's impossible. That, that, you know, that could come back. But can I tell you what he needs, they, what they need to come alongside of them is God's people interceding and praying and declaring that this ain't coming back. That, that, see, what happens many times is that, and I think of this, I gotta love the gloves, right? Um, I'm like, what am I doing? Um, is that many times you have a, a loss. I, I've seen this before, and I don't know if this is you or not, but I've seen before where, where you get people get discouraged and, and they, they have a, a major blow that happens. Maybe, maybe you lose a pastor from a stroke. And you say, why, God? Why? And God says, you don't see things the way that I see them. 
You see, I create vessels, and I create vessels for my purpose to accomplish what I have planned. And you don't determine how I use my vessels. And that's the thing. When you decide, God, use me. God, work through me. You don't get to choose how. He chooses you, and you serve him by listening to him, being led by him. And in this story, the vessels that are used have to be broken because there's a light inside of them. But the light is not going to shine until it's a broken vessel. And the greatest purpose for the vessel, you ready? The great, <laughs> I love that. The greatest purpose, you, you had it pictured in your mind that's like on your table, right? And like everybody's going to be drinking from this. Not today. Um, the greatest purpose is not what it thought it was for. Maybe he said, why can't I be like all the other jars? Why can't I be, you know, every day just sitting in the middle of a table and people just full of, full of just happiness and joy um, with a family? And I, I just pour water for that family night and day. But that's not his purpose. His purpose was to declare victory for the Lord, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and to declare victory and chase out the enemy. And in order to, for that to happen, this vessel, this vessel has to be broken. And when it's broken, <laughs> sorry, if you, if you sue the church, it's not my fault. <laughs> and their light shone. And So my question, do we have any broken vessels? Do you have any areas of your life which are broken, which are hurting? And you've said God can't use that. You know, I'm, I'm off God's radar now. So I'm broken. I'm struggling. You name it, whatever the problem has been, whatever the addiction, whatever the struggle, whatever the place that you found yourself, and you said, God can't, I'm telling you, remove that from your vocabulary. Because God's word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? It says this, every man stood in his place and around the camp, and the whole army ran and they cried out and fled. And when 300 blew the trumpets, there's a lot of significance here. We're not touching on it, but go back and read it yourself. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled. They had victory. And Romans 8.31 says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, can you tell me who's against you? Who can overcome you? What can defeat you when God is for you? And God is just looking for a few people who don't mind being broken. A few people who say, God, I've gone through some stuff, but I believe that you can use the brokenness for a greater purpose. I believe that when I totally use the way that you want to use me, the world will see Christ and so maybe we don't understand how one vessel was used by God, called by God, to lead this church for a specific purpose and a specific season. 
and then taken. But it's not our call, is it? Don't give up on God because you don't understand God. This is the time for all who had been influenced by Howie to now take what you've learned, take what you've learned, and use it for the building of the kingdom of God. And when your pastors go through struggles and difficulties, that you rise up as the prayer warriors that you are, that you are, you may not feel like it right now, but that you are, you receive the word of God, the call of God, and you say, no, not on my watch. No, we're going to fight for healing, we're going to fight for victory, and we're going to see this area of Culpeper and beyond, the cities beyond, reached for Jesus Christ, and we're going to show them what the victory of the Lord looks like. Yes, it looks like there's broken vessels. Yes, it looks like there's damage, but there's purpose in all of that, and God's word is going forth. And when you get to this place, God says, I've got more. I've got more for you. You are the perfect position to be used by me and for me. And let's watch those around you come to know him, but not just know him intellectually, know him in their heart and use their giftings to build the body, to come alongside someone else, to speak the word of God to someone else, to encourage someone else, to bless someone else, to say, yes, the loss of one pastor may have hurt. The loss of family might have hurt. But I still believe, I still believe that God can use that hurt. God can use that pain. And we may not understand, but it's not our job to understand. Our job is to follow him, to surrender to him, and, and to give all of our lives to him. And say, God, may I be, now if you loved Howie, then you say, may I be the next Howie. Or God, may, may I be the next Pastor Jared? May I come alongside? May I just, just encourage, but not just encourage. May I glean from him? May I learn from him? And I want to be strong in your word and in your power and your might. And I want to go out and reach people and continually grow and help others around me grow. Don't just say, well, that's it. It didn't work out the way I thought. Don't just live depressed and thinking God doesn't have more dreams for you. God is so much more, and God sees more in this church than you see in this church. And it's more than just broken vessels. It's out of that brokenness, God can use you to minister to somebody else who has been just as broken, but now you have a different perspective and a different heart and a different outlook. And you can speak the words that come not from your head, but from experience. And that's so much more. We have some, you guys may have it here, I'm not sure, but we have this ministry in our church called Grief Share. It's like around the country. And I'm so amazed at how they have used Grief Share. And there's a husband and wife who lead this team, and it's because they've lost 
They've lost their spouses and, and then together they, they came together and now they use Grief Share to reach into our community to people who would never come to our church, who come in there broken and hurting and they tell them about who Jesus is and they lead them into salvation and they wind up becoming part of our church because they were hurting and they found a place where someone could speak healing and the healing that they brought to them was so much more than just speaking some good words to make them feel good, but it's an eternal healing to bring them into the kingdom of God. Amen. So may I encourage you to believe God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing, to believe that he can do more in and through you individually, and as you join together with your pastors, and this church to do more in your community, to do more all around this area, to reach people for Jesus Christ, and to serve like you've been serving. But don't limit him. He's a God who's too big. Let him out of the box. Because there's power when you discover your purpose. And when you realize that my purpose might have looked like one thing in the beginning, but guess what? My purpose sure looks pretty different now. But there was more power in that. That's the power that chased out the enemy and brought the victory. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would minister to your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bring healing. Lord, I pray that those who are far from you right now Maybe you've been running from the call of God on your life. Maybe you've been in a place where you, you stopped trusting, you stopped believing, you lost your fire, you lost your passion. Whatever it is, God has more for you. And I want to call you back to that. I believe you're here for a reason on this day. I believe that God wanted you here to say, you're my child, you're my kid, and I want, to, I want you to realize that I, I see the hurts, I see the pain, I see the damage, I see the place you've been, but there's more, I have more for you and I want to wrap my arms of love around you and help you heal and help you restore and set you back into your place of purpose. With all our heads bowed and eyes closed, if, you have, if you're here this morning, you would say, man, I don't know where I am with God right now but I know I'm not close to him, but I need him. Right now, from your heart, you can pray this. Lord, I surrender. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me. Forgive me, Jesus, for walking away. Forgive me for leaving. Forgive me for doing my own thing. Forgive me for not giving you all. I just gave you partial Forgive me, Lord. I surrender to you. You gave all for me as you hung on that cross. And now I give my, all of my heart to you. I turn from my, who I once was. That's what repentance is, turning from your way and turning to God's way. And right now, with heads bowed, with eyes closed, simply say, Lord, 
I surrender all. I give you my all. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if right now, if you say, that's me, just shoot up your hands right now and say, yes, that's me. I surrender all. I give you my all, God. Thank God. Praise God. Amen. I give you my all, God. You may have been hurting. You may have been lonely. I surrender all. With that hand raised, you know that? God can do so much with that willing hand that reflects a heart that's saying, I surrender, God. I surrender. And Lord, I pray in this room, we thank you for those who've just surrendered to you. And now, Lord, I pray they would take the steps to grow and to follow and to heal. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would do, that you would heal the broken, restore those who have been far from you, redeem those who just gave their life to you, seal them, Surround them with a hedge of protection. Cover them in the blood of Jesus. Protect them from the enemy. And Lord, bless them. Lord, may we, may we hear countless stories of you, what you've done with this little church in Culpeper, Virginia, because there's hearts in here that surrender to the call of God on their life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.